This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. So the lesson of the morning, we started out pointing to the fact that we all have struggles. We are all weak, and we all need Jesus' help. And with that help, we can become something extraordinary. We can be a champion for God's cause. So now I want to talk about our relationship with God. So let's turn to Psalms, the 38th chapter, in verse 1, if you'll pull out your Bibles. Psalms 38, verse 1 It says, a psalm of David to bring to remembrance, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease. And there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Is this you this afternoon? As you read these verses, can you relate to that? How is your relationship with God? Are you barely hanging on? Are you miserable in your life? Is life too heavy for you because of foolish mistakes that you have made? Or maybe foolish choices others have made around you? You ever thought about that? Sometimes we pay a price for things that other people have done around us. We get caught up in that either because we're kin to them or we're friends with them or whatever the case may be and they want us to be involved in this misery. And so sometimes it impacts us, doesn't it? Sometimes we get drug into those things. Sometimes we're just trying to help and it affects our own spirituality. We struggle with telling people what decisions are best for them. The burden is heavy that foolish mistakes can make. In Psalms, the 32nd chapter, in verse 3, it says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. How was this grief dealt with? How did they get this grief? How did they come to this point? And we see this in scripture. They were not confessing sin. They were allowing it to ride upon them. And it was pressing them down. And it hurt. 
And they couldn't bear it because their mind was messing with them. Their conscience was telling them they were wrong. You know, we were talking about a gentleman that I studied with one time, and he, he had this dream, and these demons were trying to drag him down. And he was very scared. I ran into him, and another guy from our church had graduated high school with him. And he said, you got to help me. you got to tell me what these dreams mean. He was scared out of his mind. And he was involved in some other things that we're not going to go into, but the, the bottom line is his conscience was telling him to flee, to get away from this life that he had gotten into. And he, he was hearing it, he was fearing it, but he didn't know what to do about it. What does Scripture tell us can be done about this? As we look in, in Psalms 32, starting in verse 5, he says, David says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eyes. Be ye not, sorry, be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. So we read about some things here. What was the very first thing that we read about? He says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. You know, sometimes we get so burdened down with sin and we get so involved in it and it takes over our life and we don't know what to do and we're drowning. David said when that happened to him, he said, I confessed it. I confessed it to God. Before that, he said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old. He said, thy hand was heavy upon me. How heavy is the hand of God whenever you're not living the way you should and you know better? How heavy does that get? You know, there are so many people in the world today that are carrying that weight and they don't know what to do with it. God tells us what to do with it. So how was this grief alleviated? Sins were confessed to the Lord and forgiveness was given. The relationship with the Lord was restored and joy and gladness could be felt again. I want you to let that sink in. 
When we restore our relationship with God by doing the right thing, He forgives us. And He allows joy and gladness to be felt again. Our relationship with God is the only thing that can truly bring us inner peace and blessing in our life. You know, in Hebrews 11, when Moses was talking about that, he said it was better to endure the persecution of the saints than all the riches of Egypt. And he had access to that. It says he didn't even want to enjoy it for a season. He thought it was better to go and be with God's people and be right with God than to allow those things to comfort him in life. Is that you today? Would you rather be persecuted than enjoy riches? You know, sometimes I think we get so caught up in trying to make a living, make another dollar, make a side dollar, whatever it is. Sometimes we forget to be thankful for the things we have. We need to be very careful that we don't let the world steal our, our joy And we don't sell it out cheap trying to make a buck. God has given us something so priceless and something so grand. And he allows us to feel joy and gladness of a pure and clean conscience. Irregardless of what's happened to us in this world or what we've done that was so pitiful and so bad. Let's look at some examples that God has given us in Scripture and let's see how God reacted with His children when they made sinful choices. You know, we were talking some about that at lunch and you know, sometimes it depends on whose bad choices they are. Sometimes we just want to cover them up. We don't want to talk about them. Let's move on. And then sometimes other people make those bad choices and we want to ponder on it and we want to talk about it and we want to keep it in their forefront and we want to make sure we hold them accountable God holds us all accountable. And He is absolutely fair. And He is balanced. And He makes sure that on His scales, there is no tipping of the scales based on who it might be or what it might be. Sin is sin and wrong is wrong. And then God factors in mercy and grace, which you and I cannot do. So let's consider... Some folks in scripture. Let's go to Genesis, uh, the fourth chapter. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And, he, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. 
What was the Lord's response whenever Cain got upset that he didn't accept his offering? Did Cain worship? He did. He made an offering to the Lord, but he didn't do it according to faith. He didn't do it the way God wanted it. We know that it tells us this in the Bible that that Abel's offering was by faith and Cain's was simply not. But how was his response? I want to notice his response. He was God was calm. He was reasonable. He was without malice. He was very factual in what he replied to Cain. He was very unbiased. He said, Cain, the choice is yours. He put the onus on Cain to make his choice. He gave him the good way to go, but he recognized that Cain might not take that, and he gave him the result of what that would bring. He didn't throw a fit. He didn't try to tear him to pieces. He didn't breathe him to ashes. He gave him opportunity to repent. In Genesis 4, again starting in verse 8, it says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and he slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not... It shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond thou shalt be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Because of this, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So even after Cain chose to sin and go against God, He chose to go against what God had told him. God was still merciful. Cain requested protection from mankind killing him and murdering him on the earth. And God granted him protection from others by setting a mark on him and a curse for anyone that should choose to kill him. Even though he was out of sorts with God, even though a curse had been placed upon him, Mercy and grace were still extended from God. He still allowed him to live. And he even protected him to the point of not letting others murder him. See how merciful and fair God is? How unbiased he is? Even though he had lost Abel, a faithful worshiper, 
he still continued to look upon Cain and try to make a way for him to continue on. What does it say in Mark, the 8th chapter? Turn over there, if you will, to Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. And it says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, the Lord knows the value of your soul. Do you? That's a fair question. Do you know how valuable your soul is? Everybody gets one. Jesus said, what does it profit if you gain the entire world and you lose that soul? Or you trade that soul for something? He said, it's a bad deal. It's priceless. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's from God. And the Lord knows the value that He has placed in you. He wants you to realize the value and do everything you can to preserve it. He wants you to be successful spiritually in your life. He sets us up for success even though He knows we will fail. He gives us every opportunity. Let's go back to Psalms 34. Psalms chapter 34. And verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and He heard me and He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him all of out, out of all his troubles. You see, God makes a way. He gives us opportunity. He gives us a congregation to be part of. He allows us to be our family. You know, we may not have family that gives a rip about God, but we have one right here. And we have one in Pampa. And we have one in Amarillo. And we have one in Plainview. And we have one in Lubbock. And there's one in Dallas or many in that area that you are part of the family. God knew that we needed to help each other. And he asked you and I to do that. In Psalms 34, and uh, I'm sorry. I found it particularly interesting in verse 6. He says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. He referred to himself as this poor man. You know, God sees you as priceless. How do you see yourself? Do you allow yourself to forgive yourself? Just the way God does? Or do you hold on to your past and let it hold you back? It's a very important question. Because the devil loves for us to get entangled in the things that in the days gone by and mess up the days that could be. The things that we could be involved in with the church and with the Lord. The forgiveness we could receive. The mercy and grace we could extend to others. The devil loves to mess those things up and ruin them. Another example, David. 
We know David committed adultery. He committed murder. He slew thousands in battle. And yet we know he was called a man after God's own heart. How can this be? How can a hardened warrior that has stole someone's wife has done all of these horrible things, how can he be a man after God's own heart? Turn over to 2 Samuel. We want to look at a little bit there. In 2 Samuel 23, verses 15 to 17. It says, And David longed, and he said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines, and they drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and they took it and they brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Because of this, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. You see, he wanted a drink of water. And he remembered drinking from that well and how sweet that water was and how cool it was. And they had been in these battles and now they were hemmed up and they were there resting. And he said, man, I just wish I had a drink. And can you imagine these mighty men fought their way to that well. Whooping and spurring with shields and and swords to get this drink of water. And then they had to fight their way back to bring it to him. Can you imagine having friends that were that committed to you? Can you imagine it? I hope you can because I hope everyone in this church right now would be that devoted if you needed them to come running. And you know, it it may be a little bit uh, silly because I ain't a very fast runner. But you know, I've told people before, if you need me, you call me and I will come running. Why? It's an example in the Bible. If we're going to care about each other and we're going to take care of each other, we got to be willing to inconvenience ourselves for one another. we got to be ready to saddle up in the middle of the night and go if that's what it takes. And I'm going to tell you folks, I've seen some pretty ugly stuff at night with folks that wanted to be right with God And other people's decisions messed that up for them. And they needed somebody that could be there to lead them spiritually. We all pray it's never us. But I'm going to tell you something. If it is, you're going to hit your knees and you're going to want this family that you have been blessed by God to have here to come a-running. To help you. And for them to help, help each other. You and them. David did all these things and these men were valiant and they fought for this drink of water. And they bring it back and he thinks of God's greatness and he thinks of his men's sacrifice and he pours that water out as an offering to God. He didn't just pour it out. He poured it out as a sacrifice to God. He was so thankful for what God had given him. 
friends, faithfulness, blessing, and had spared his life through all these battles. He was a man after God's own heart indeed. You know, he could have, he could have killed Saul and it would have made his life a lot easier. Saul was out to kill him. But he had respected God's people even when they were trying to kill him. He could have killed Saul and made his life easier for the moment. He was unwilling because Saul had been chosen by God. I'm going to tell you something. David had a lot of things messed up in his life from time to time. But what he didn't have messed up is how important God was to him. And how important being right with God was to him. And he did lots of writing about that when he was not right with God, didn't he? And he painstakingly penned it, admitting his sin. And admitting what that wrong did to him. And admitting what his pride had done to him. But he knew when he got all that out of the way and when he went straight ahead to God and when he repented and when he got his life right, he could feel joy again. And I want to tell you, you can do the same thing. If there's something standing between you and God, there there are things that you can do. You can repent. You can get rid of the pride and the things that tell you not to repent. And you can get right with God. And he will restore your joy. And he will restore your peace. What about Thomas? You know, I think about Thomas and, and, and when I think about him, I, I just, I can't help but feel sorry for Thomas. You know, he was an apostle. He walked with God, with Jesus. He talked with Jesus He probably did a lot of great things. And you know what he's known for? Old Doubting Thomas. He blew it. Had his chance. Didn't believe it. Isn't that something? That we would name him Doubting Thomas. The Bible doesn't call him that. But that's what what people have called him over the centuries. What happened there? He would not believe that Jesus was resurrected without seeing and feeling. In John 20 and verse 24 through 29, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side I will not believe and after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas with them then came Jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. 
And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. So Thomas refused to believe in the resurrection without physical evidence to prove that Jesus was alive. That's a little bit stubborn and arrogant, wasn't it? After all, here's the other apostles telling him what happened. I'm not believing that. You guys have lost your mind. I'm not, no way. I have to see it. How was he responded to by Jesus? Did Jesus reprimand him harshly in front of everybody? Did he drag him around saying, here's old doubting Thomas. He really blew it. No, Jesus was not angry. He was not frustrated. He was not mean to Thomas. Jesus provided what Thomas needed to believe and restore his faith. He gave him what he needed. Isn't that great? To think that you could mess up and you could be arrogant or or prideful and yet God gives us a book that is so full of His wisdom and His words that I could find an answer to my trouble and fix it with God and know that He would love me, that He would accept my repentance. He would accept my confession of my sins and my repentance to change my ways and He would restore My joy and my hope. And then Jesus taught them all a greater lesson. That it was a much bigger deal that those who have not seen still believe in the resurrection. Still believe it. If we go over to 1 Peter 1... If you'll turn over to 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, According as His divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world, Through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See the promises that are made? The great things that you can add to your life that will cause you to have a pure conscience, have you to feel positive about who you are in this world, to be able to raise your head high as you walk down the street, not to be proud, to be confident that God has blessed your life. What about Peter? We talk about Peter a lot. Let's look at Luke. Luke, the 22nd chapter, starting in verse 31. And it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, 
Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell you to Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that you shall thrice deny that thou knowest me. So here's Jesus having this conversation with Peter. And he says, Peter, Satan has desired to take you. But I have prayed for your faith not to fail. Isn't that amazing? He knew Peter was going to deny him. He knew that was wrong. He had taught him it was wrong. And he said, those that deny me before men, I will deny them before my father. He was very plain about that teaching, wasn't he? And here's Peter, and he's at a rough time in life. He's trying to figure out what's going on. They're going to take Jesus, and they're going to kill him. And Peter wants to stand with him. He wants to do the right thing by him. Did Jesus treat him badly? Did he talk harshly to him? Did he rebuke him hard? He simply told Peter, he said, I've prayed for you. But I'm going to tell you that before the day's over, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And Peter lashes out, no, Lord, I'll go to death with you. I'll go to prison. I'll do whatever it takes to be right with you, God. And we know how that turned out. In this same chapter, going down to verse 54. Then took they him, and they led him, and they brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And when they had, I'm sorry, but, but a certain maid beheld him, as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him. For he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. So Jesus' words come to pass and Jesus turns and gives but a look at Peter. Just a look. Didn't say anything, just looked at him. And Peter falls to pieces and he weeps bitterly. He knew what Jesus had taught. He knew that Jesus told him that Satan wanted to sift him as wheat. He knew Jesus was praying for him. And here he was denying the Savior. Trying to get out of 
having anything to deal with. And the look tears him to pieces. Just a look. What about you and I today? Do we do the same? In Matthew 10, in verse 32, it says, Whoever, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. We sin foolishly and then we remember God's word and we feel worthless and ashamed. We don't want people to know about the bad decisions we've made, the things that we've done wrong. And that burden of sin bears down on us. It's heavy on our shoulders and it crushes us until we realize that repentance and our long-term relationship with God is our anchor. If we don't have that anchor, we are adrift in our life. If you don't have that relationship with God, you have no chance. Life will simply crush you. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Jesus cares. He never stops caring. Even when we mess up, Jesus wants us to do the right thing. He wants us to be reconciled to Him and the Father. He desires that relationship with us. You know, sometimes I've heard people say, Oh, I couldn't go to church. The, the roof might fall in if I walked in there. You know, there's been a lot of folks walk into a church. There have been some pretty bad stuff in their life. God's shoulders are way bigger than that. Churches still stand. People are convinced. People are taught the truth. They repent and they give their life to God. And they are blessed because of it. What about verse 8? It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that, that, same afflictions, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean you can't get wrapped up in things that are sinful. You don't get that promise. You have a way to take care of that sin. You have a way to be reconciled. You have Jesus pulling for you to do the right thing. But you're just as vulnerable of getting caught by a temptation that God has given you. And we see it. We see it lots of times. People mess their life up. People make mistakes. And instead of running to the church where the help is, they run away from the church and they try to hide from the church. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. They seek refuge elsewhere outside of God's bounds. They look for counselors and teachers, a shoulder to cry on, a bar to belly up to and drown their sorrows. They go everywhere to the ends of the earth looking for the answer. And God gave it to us in His Word. He gave us the ability to cure 
the sickness of sin in but a few moments. Does that mean we can just say I'm sorry and keep on living that way? No. Does it mean I can repent but I can't ever make that sin again? No, because you probably will. But it does mean that if you are sincere and if you continue to, to struggle and try to fix those things in your life through Jesus Christ, He will make a way for you to escape those ills. He will make a way for you to be forgiven. He will make a way for you to be restored. He will make a way for you to sit at His table with a clear conscience. That's what God promises. I want you to know the devil is coming for you. He is successful at afflicting those that walk with Jesus. He's successful at it. You know, a lot of people afflict themselves with the things of the world. With They don't know anything about Jesus. Those are the easy things for Satan. He likes the real challenge. He likes to take an elder of a church. He likes to take a strong Christian that people look up to. And he likes to tempt them and he likes to tear them away. And he likes to belittle them and cast doubt upon them so that others will look at them and doubt the power of God. We have been given a lot of responsibility to be right in God's family. But we have also been given extreme blessings. Blessings beyond measure. Blessings we don't even understand because we are in the family of God. So if you're having troubles this morning or this afternoon, if things are, tr- are trying you and things are tight, know that there is no one without sin. The Bible says if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. It applies over and over again. I have my trials and tribulations and you have yours. And we cannot hide those from God. We cannot hide them from our Savior. They will only tear us to pieces and dash us upon the rocks. Jesus is our answer. Jesus is the one that gives us a way out of all that. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How important is that? Have you ever really gotten caught up in sin? You know, sometimes people's sins are milder and maybe it hasn't just completely taken their life over. But you know, we run into people every day that sin has completely obliterated their life. It has caused total chaos Maybe it has taken their family to the grave. You know, I dealt with a family one time and I was dealing, I was talking to this guy and they were at a grocery store and they had went in to get groceries and his dad stayed out with the station wagon. And a car pulled up real fast and this, this young man didn't like that. He thought something's not right. And he started heading out the door of the grocery store to go out there to his dad. And these men grabbed his dad, threw him on the ground, grabbed him by the hair and shot him right in the side of the head. Killed him right there in front of him. Right there. I didn't know it till later, 
they were in a witness protection program and his dad had decided he didn't want to be a drug dealer anymore. And he was a witness in a, in a court case. And that court case was coming up and they found him. And they killed him dead so that he couldn't testify. And this, this guy watched that happen. And then he was forced to be in the drug business and follow on the family tradition. And he had, I don't remember, six or seven kids. And he did not want his kids to go through that. He had a lot of mental anguish over all of that. And you know, we studied with them. And it was cold. The house they were staying in, it was a day about like today. And you had to hold the pages of your Bible down with all the doors shut with the wind that was blowing through the walls of that house. And we went and bought a bunch of heaters. We, we blew the breaker on the house because it wouldn't run the heaters. But we were, try, we were trying to do something for this family. And you know, we baptized every one of his kids. And he stepped in the water last. He said, now I know we can all be together. All of us. And it wasn't very long after that that they were on the road. And uh, <clears throat> they just got off working all night. And they went to this place. They were, they were going to spend their money to get the Xbox back that they had pawned to buy groceries. And he fell asleep at the wheel and he flipped that vehicle end over end over end over end six times. One of his kids is laying out in the middle of I-27 crossways in the lanes. Another one of his kids is laying in the median in the grass screaming in pain. Another one's over here on the side of the road crying Blood gushing from her head. He's locked in and he's unconscious. And his wife was not wearing a seatbelt. And she walked out of that. She walked out of that wreck. The only one that didn't end up in ICU in the emergency room that night. And as we were there and all of this crazy was going on and they... They, they had them scattered all over the hospital because there were so many of them and they were all in critical condition, or I say all, three of them were, about to die. And this man that had been so happy was dying. His head swelled up that big and his body was fighting for life. And they had him strapped to that bed. And the nurse said, if you want to help his kids, you keep them out of here. You don't let them see this. And I walked out there and his, his daughter saw my face and she said, I want to see my dad. And I said, you don't want to see your dad. He's not in there. You don't want to see him. She said, I want to see my dad. I said, okay, I'll go with you. And we went back in there. His body's flopping and it's chained to the bed with, with some straps. And you know, she went over. And she began to rub his hair and tell him she loved him. And she didn't shed a tear. Thank God they found God and they got right before that happened. And it was a blessing to me to see that happen. 
and it was a curse to me to see him die or see him die. His other two boys ended up living through it. They were okay later. One of them had to have pins and, and plates and everything else put in him. He had to learn to walk again. But they didn't have dad. And they still had to figure out how to live and how to make it work. Tragedy. We've all seen it. We've all seen the hardship that sin brings. But this man wanted his family to be right with God so bad. He would do whatever it took. Is sin bearing down on you and preventing you from having a good relationship with Christ your Savior? This is your opportunity this afternoon. Jesus said, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall have rest unto your souls. If your soul is not at rest today, if you're in turmoil in your life or there's those that you know that are in turmoil and they need the prayers of the church, we want to tell you the church is here to help with those things. This is your family sitting in these seats. We are here for one another. And if you need that help, I want to encourage you to let that be known to this congregation. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.